You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening. My name is Tyrone Plunkett, and uh, I serve in our awesome teen ministry, and I want to welcome you all to our midweek service tonight. I have the privilege of being able to lead our thoughts today for our midweek service. Today's lesson is entitled, The Spirit of Prayer, Prayer Methods. But before we begin our um, lesson today, I have a question to ask us. What do you think about when you hear the word prayer? I'll give you a minute to think about that. You know, for some of us, as we're reflecting, right, uh, maybe we are those prayer warriors that that spend a lot of time just wrestling in prayer with God. Some of us may have some confusion about what to pray for. You know, like, how do we pray? Is this the right way to pray? Or some of us are those type of people that would like to go to the beach or near a mountain and be quiet. You know, personally for me, I love going to the park and being able to sit there with God. That's my place of solace. Or some of us may think it's difficult to pray, right? Like the disciples in scriptures asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Or for some of us, we may think, man, it's such a burden to pray. Like there's so much going on in our lives. I don't have enough time to pray in a day. Or some of us may look at prayer as like God being a genie or something where God just answers our wishes. And I want us to try something different today as we discuss prayer. I'm going to have us stand on our feet as we as we recite the Shema prayer. And if you don't know what that is, it is the famous Jewish prayer out of the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse seven. And if you're able to stand, that'd be great. You shouldn't be standing while you're driving. Right. Please stand with me as we recite this passage. And in Deuteronomy chapter six, go ahead and take out your phone or a Bible. We're going to start reading together. Ready? Begin. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. You can be seated now. You know, why did I have us recite this passage? You know, prayer, the the Shema prayer, as as we learned, right, was a famous prayer that the Jews did on a regular basis, right? This prayer was important to Jews all around the world. It was a profession of faith. And as we learned, right, the word Shema is to listen or to hear. But it's not only to listen or to hear. It also carries the idea of doing and obeying. So not only are we listening, but we are also obeying what God wants us to do. And this is where we pick up in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there now. Um, You know, to a Jewish man or woman, Prayer was structured in such a way that you prayed three times a day. You prayed in the morning, you prayed midday, and you prayed at night. You know, I have a difficult time just praying one time. 
let alone three times in a day. And to illustrate this point further in Nehemiah chapter one, verse six, you know, Nehemiah is asking God to be attentive to his prayers that he is praying day and night. You know, prayer was a very um, core thing that Jewish people did in their time and still today. It is important to pray. So let's begin reading out of Matthew chapter six, verses five through 13. And verse five, it says, and when you pray, talking to the disciples, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand or they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, to Jesus, prayer is personal and relational. It was not to be done in front of others, to be seen as pious or trying to come off religious. You know, Jesus is not saying, well, we shouldn't pray in the open. I, you know, to me, that's quite ridiculous. Right. And just absurd. Right. I mean, we we you know, you can go outside and pray if you want to pray. Right. What Jesus is admonishing is the spirit of wanting to show off our religious practices in front of others to be seen by them. Jesus would much rather you go into your room and be alone with God. Why? Because it's personal and it's relational. You know, I struggle with this. You know, I sometimes want to be seen by others. And especially when I feel like I've been serving, I've been giving, I've been giving my heart, I've been spending time doing, you know, trying to serve God in his church and whatever, serve some brothers, whatever. And when somebody else gets recognized before I do, you know, we have to be careful about having this type of spirit where we want to be seen by others. And not only did Jesus admonish this form of prayer to be seen in front of others, he addressed the pagans, the non-Jewish folks like the Romans or the Greeks who babbled in prayer with many words. In other words, Jesus was saying, your prayers are too long. And why did Jesus say this? You know, in verse eight says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. You know, this is the reason why we should pray. God already knows what we need. Notice Jesus didn't say anything about what we want. Jesus says, God knows what you need. You know, I struggle with what I want all the time. Like, I want a million dollars. I want to live in a mansion. I want to drive a Ferrari, right? 
but are those things that I want or, you know, are those things that I need? God knows what you need. And my question to you today is, and to us, as we reflect, are we in need today? Is your soul tired? Do you need some refreshment? Do you need some encouragement? Are you feeling weighed down by life and just COVID and having to wear a mask and do Zooms or whatever? Right? Are you weighed down by that? You know, God knows what you need. And as we begin to land the plane tonight, let us look at how Jesus taught us to pray. In verse 9, he says, let me recite again, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, before we come to God, right, do we, or when we come to God, do we pray this when we pray? Are we praying for God's will to be done in our lives, in the lives of others, the kingdom, and the world? Or are we praying that God do something in our lives, like, God, take this away, You know, I totally understand that type of prayer, you know, uh, because when something catastrophic is happening in our lives, right, many of us run to God in prayer because we want God to do something. I've been there for sure. You know, when I was going through my divorce last year, I was so focused in prayer on what I wanted God to do for me. I was so focused on the pain and the disappointment of my ex-wife. And I could barely see clarity to be able to pray for God's will. But, you know, as I prayed for God's will, I could see clearly. I could see that despite my divorce, that God was allowing me to grow spiritually. You know, the second half of this prayer was simply Jesus calling us to pray for each other. And when we pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray, we keep each other in mind. The focus becomes less me-oriented and becomes more us-focused, right? We're a church. We're a body. We should pray for each other. And why do we pray like that? You know, again, in verse 8, right? God knows what we need before we ask him. God is attentive to what we need. You know, the spirit of prayer characterized the church so much in the Bible that we see it was a habit in the book of Acts. And here are some passages, just to quote, if you're writing them down, taking down notes, here you go. In Acts 2, verse 42, one of the famous prayers that we, or famous scriptures that we know as a church is the disciples, they devoted themselves to prayer. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John went to the temple at a time of prayer. You know, it was such a custom in their time to just pray. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the place where the disciples were praying was shaken. I mean, imagine that, right? You're praying to God as, you know, we're praying to God as a church, and the place where we're praying was shaken, like some kind of, you know, natural phenomenon happened, an earthquake, whatever. 
God was moved and he allowed the earth to move. That's pretty cool. And maybe one of my favorite uh, scriptures in Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, you know, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns in prison. Imagine that, right? You're in a dirty, cold Roman prison, right? And what you're doing is praying and singing songs to God. I mean, that's so counterintuitive to how we think. I know for me, my first natural reaction when something bad has happened is not to go to prayer. I want to fix it. I want to, you know, I want to try to control things. But Paul and, and, and Silas, they were praying and singing, singing hymns. And maybe perhaps that's the reason why they were confident in God, maybe why they had peace. And even so much so, right, like if you read that passage, you know, it's not like they asked God to remove them from the, from, the, from the situation. How do I know that? Because if you read that passage, Paul is like, you know, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stay here. So it wasn't even like he was praying that God will remove the situation. He was, he was, um, he was surrendered to, to God and his plan for his life. And perhaps one of the reasons why prayer was so prevalent in the church was simply because or because of the simplicity of how Jesus taught us to pray. So what did we learn tonight about the spirit of prayer? We learned, excuse me, we learned that prayer was important to the Jewish culture. You know, Jewish men and women practice prayer three times a day. That was morning, that was noon, and that was night. And one of their important prayers, as we talked about, was the Shema prayer, which was a prayer of hearing and listening. But not only hearing and listening, but also obeying and doing what God says. We learned about what Jesus taught about in prayer and in Matthew chapter six, verse five to 13. Prayer is personal and relational. It's not to be done in front of others for the purpose of wanting to be seen. But he also taught that we didn't need to have long prayers, right? Because God knows what we need before we need before we ask him. You know, Jesus also taught us a prayer of submission to God's will, his purpose, right? On earth as it is in heaven and his will for our lives and how to pray for each other. And when we pray like this, we become less meat-oriented and more focused on God and others. Lastly, we discussed how prayer characterized the lives of the disciples in Scripture. And the church was known for prayer. It was one of the things that they were accustomed to doing. So thanks to, thank you so much for tuning in to our midweek service this evening. I hope today's lesson was encouraging to your faith and taught you more about the spirit of prayer. Have a great time in your Zoom discussions. Good night. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.